Cody, what's up, man? How's it going? How are you? How's it going, Mark? Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome, man. It's great to have you on today. How's everything going? How are you? How's the, uh, are you feeling the hangover after, after BFCM at all? I'm not, but our clients are. Yeah, they, our they, clients they... are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember when we, when we, when I ran into you the other week, you said, uh, that, you know, everything's more or less is, is on evergreen. It doesn't really get spiked up for you guys during, uh, during black Friday week. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, uh, we're more evergreen throughout the year. So there's not as much yeah. stuff to do like on a heavy peak buying period, like BFCM or for sure. um, Christmas or anything like that. So I wouldn't say it's like where influencer was like four or five, six years ago when it was like heavy, heavy paid. Right. Yeah. And like yeah. scheduling the campaigns. That's where you saw Scott Disick put yeah. copy colon mark in the, in the caption. I yeah, you've heard that story. But no, I didn't. I've never heard that. What you got to tell me what, what happened? Basically, he it went viral for all the wrong reasons because yeah. he got the the post from an influencer or from the brand basically saying like, hey, here's the copy. Say this, you know, like 50% Oh, I do off remember Scott. that. I yeah. do remember that. And I put uh, and he put it in the actual caption, like just straight, like read the email and just put it right in his caption. That was, was so. that 20, I want to say that was 2017, 2018, right? Sometime around then. Might have even been before that. Maybe 2016. Yeah. 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 I'd have to Google it. Yeah. Jesus. Well, time flies, right? Well, cool. Well, uh, why don't you start off by giving us a little intro on you and, uh, and your background in influencer marketing. We can go from there. Yeah. Um, so co-CEO of Kinship. Um, an influence marketing agency and paid social. Those are the things that we paired together with. And then before that, starting that four years ago, I was, I mean, I say I'm head of influence marketing, but that wasn't even really like my title because it wasn't really a thing, um, the term, but like head of community, but basically responsible for starting up the influence program um at Kalo, which was a silicone wedding ring company they went from zero to 40 million very quickly zero to 100 plus employees very quickly all selling silicone wedding rings uh, believe it or not but i was responsible for building out the influence program there um so um we worked with a lot of celebrity macro talent like the lebron james of the world steph curry's jason aldean dale earnhardt jr um all the way down to your kind of your mommy bloggers as you can imagine a wedding ring is pretty universal um so there's a lot of use cases and a lot of influencers that we could see the product to and and work with that's awesome yeah i know i just from when you were at kalo and those were the golden years of treating influencers like you know media buys right <laughs> yeah exactly i mean we did we did um we did pay for post for sure. I was doing a lot of pay for post, but I was also getting like a lot of celebrity, like all those big heavy hitters. I was getting like user testimonials and we were using those as Facebook, on, as Facebook ads. So yeah. more actually, it was the days of seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 ROAS. <laughs> for sure. Um, and super easy in that way. So that got us into trouble because yeah. we got kind of addicted to that drug actually. But um, yeah, that was the, the Facebook heyday as well. Um, it's not as easy these days as you know. Yeah, totally. Well, tell, tell me a little bit more about like, what, what are you guys doing to crush it for your clients right now? 
when it comes to influencer marketing? Do you guys have a framework that you're using at the moment that's working well? Yeah, we call it like a three-step blueprint. Um, basically, we, we want to do product seeding. We want to see influencer content generated, and then we want to leverage that in paid social. Um, so what we want to do is basically get the product to as many hands as possible in an organic fashion. And then as those people become fans of the product, they want to uh, throw up a post or talk about it if it meets their, you know, uh, their love of the brand or love of the product. And then we reach out for content rights and leverage that as paid ads, just because you can't get any more authentic than choosing to post on your own free will. Um, so in short, we're kind of solving the pain point that brands have of like the continuous need of fresh content, especially nowadays, the continuous need of UGC. Um, so we, we just have a unique way of going about capturing a ton of creative, like 60, 90, 150 plus assets. Um, in a, in a single month. That's awesome. And I'm curious with, with you guys also running paid for clients, are you guys running, are you guys like running paid hand in hand with, with the brands overall? Like, do they have another ad ops team that's more or less handling like bottom of funnel prospecting? And then you guys are just handling more or less prospecting that's tied into influencer. Yeah, that, that happens quite a bit. Like we'll just touch the campaigns that come from, influencer content, like our firm influencer seeding efforts. Um, so we'll just run those at the prospecting level of the funnel, or we'll just let Facebook determine what level of the funnel to put the creative. For sure. Um, and then other clients were running the full ad account and we're using all the content that the brand has, but majority of it is coming from, from influencers. Um, but we'll run their studio shoot content, their product photography, of course, like all that stuff. So yeah. It's just kind of a mix of both. It's a mix um, depend on the requirements of the client, kind of what they're at, what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. I'm curious too, what, what type of volume does a brand have to be doing in seeding efforts right now to really see an impact? Let's say I'm a half a million dollar a month brand and I'm looking okay. to build, I'm looking to, to finally get an influencer. I've had some good success with, you know, running top of funnel paid, building a good social following. And now I want to do this thing called influencer marketing and it's kind of foreign to me. And I've heard I should be doing some stuff like what type of volume and in, in, in outreach and like type of seating do they actually need to get to actually get an impact on a monthly basis? I mean, the simple way to, I mean, we found a sweet spot in terms of 500 influencer outreach every single month. Um, so, but we're an agency, so obviously it's like the speed and scale of which we can work is not your everyday run of the mill brand. Um, so, but I would say, you know, for that example, reaching out to hundred influencers a month is very doable. If you can put even overseas contractors on it, you can hire an intern, like just identifying some of these influencers. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for a $6 million brand, you know, they're spending, you know, a million and a half on marketing and divide that in a, you know, by 12 and what they're spending on paid media, they should be spending a decent chunk on content in general. And I would just say like investing in influencer is a great way to capture a lot of content um, on a monthly basis. And I would think based on the benchmarks that we get reaching out to hundred influencers, you should expect 20 influencers to say, yes, send me the product um, depending on the product. If it's, you know, on a normal everyday run of the mill product. And then 
out of those 20, especially since we're not actually asking for any post in return, um, out of those 20, you should expect at least six to post for free and they'll post two to three times each. So that's 15 assets that you didn't have. And that's just completely for the cogs of your product. Now, if you don't have like, I mean, if you have a, if you have a sauna as a product, then obviously you're not doing it at that scale. <laughs> you're not sending out a hundred orders for free. So this is just an overarching strategy that works for most um, D2C e-commerce brands that have cogs that have good margins um, that can afford. Most to, CPG, like, you know, 70 to hundred dollar, 70, 150 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Things that have good margin, easy to ship. Yeah. Push through for sure. That's awesome. And I'm curious too, like, what do you guys do on the, on the usage rights? Is it, I think this is a question that I, you know, talk with and hear of with a lot of brands right now. It's like, what do I need to do to actually get the access to this? Can I just say in a DM, Hey, can we use this? Can we feature you? I always, I tell people, I'm like, say, can we, can we feature you in an upcoming campaign? Is that good enough? Do you need, do we need to send them a DocuSign, like get a stamp of approval? Like, what does it look like? Um, I, I mean, we're explicitly clear. So like for people listening in, just so it makes sense, like we reach out, no strings attached. We offer them the product. People choose to say yes or no to that question. Then once they get the product, they choose completely to post um, on their own free will. We see a minimum of 30% of people will still post. And those are the people that are obviously big fans of the product and brand at that point, right? Um, so when we reach out for content rights and usage rights for the, from those people, which is the only people we're doing it for, obviously, um, they're obviously big fans of the product. And because we started the relationship, what I would say the right way, we see like 90% of these creative granting rights for free. However, uh, we're not asking for perpetuity right away. So we're, but we are explicitly clear on how we're going to use the content because I think that's important just to avoid issues. So we are clear about, hey, can we use this content for 30 days within Meta and TikTok ads, you know, or whatever the platforms that they're posting on. Um, so featuring you, sadly, I don't think is explicitly clear. <laughs> um, probably most influencers are thinking you're going to feature them organically, not on a paid ad. So that's probably why you got success, uh, success right there. But it is very important, like whether you're using our strategy of seeding or you're, you're using influencers, like if you're contractually working, contractually working with them, you absolutely need usage rights. It's just a hundred percent. Otherwise you just don't do it. Um, if it's only going to be an organic play, I wouldn't recommend spending the money. 100%. It's just not going to get an ROI off of it at the end of the day. Let's say there's an influencer or a group of influencers that you seeded products to, you haven't heard back, but you'd like, you'd like to work with them. Do you ever follow up and say, Hey, could we do something? Can we schedule an agreement? Do you guys get a budget from the client to say maybe a couple thousand bucks a month that you can seed over so many people to actually say, Hey, if I give you 300 bucks, can you give us two or three different creatives in video form, maybe an unboxing, maybe a product demo. Yeah. I mean, we don't, as an agency, we're not like, we, we do up to five follow-ups. Um, cause we're obviously motivated to get as many people opting in as possible. But like, if you're a brand internally, there's definitely nothing wrong with following up. However, I would just be careful with like, if your first message is, Hey, we just want to get you the product. You don't respond. And then I'm immediately going, 
hey, like, will you post? Or like, hey, well, you know, like you just have to navigate those conversations a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, they're human. And it just depends on if you're, if you, if you're impatient, it's just going to depend on the price point. Like, um, if you're just not wanting to wait to see if they actually are an organic fan um, of the product. And are you guys doing much with whitelisting through accounts too and doing any type of paid engagements that way? Um, on TikTok, we are on through, through Spark ads, um, just because it's easier, a lot, a whole lot easier. And is it when you say it's just a whole lot easier to get access to their accounts and to run it than it is in Meta at the moment? Yeah, I would just, yeah, it's still like, I think because there's a lot of hoops to jump through on Meta, it's just a lot like people think that they're giving up their social security card or something like that, you know? Um, so we just don't even bother on TikTok. Yeah, on TikTok, it's just easy for them to provide a spark code and they just say, yes, here's the spark code. And then you just use that, you know? Um, so it's just less, less hurdles to jump over. Easier access, easier ways. And are on the outreach, are you guys using any specific outreach to, tools? Is it like mostly just you guys have your own proprietary system? Is it through DMs? You guys do anything through email or any other means? It's majority email, actually. And we use tools um, to make email more efficient, but we're not. Yeah, we're using a lot of uh, we have some proprietary software. Um, like a Shopify app that we handle like the order placement process for, for our clients. Cody, tell us a little bit more about uh, the Kinship app and kind of what you guys have done with that. Cause I know it's been, it's been live for like three years now, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, pretty close. It's kind of crazy actually to think about. Um, but yeah, essentially it just zeroes out orders at scale um, on the Shopify backend. So if you've ever sent out free order to anybody, whether it be your mom or an influencer or, um, send it to B2B business. Um, it's incredibly time consuming. So as you might imagine, we get a hundred, you know, addresses and we got to do that on behalf of our clients. So we get to take that off our plate through the, through the kinship app, um, which is now called the influencer seating app, actually. Influencer seating app, some SEO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh? yeah That's exactly. awesome. That's good enough. But yeah. I mean, if you're slanging it around, we got to get you some commission on that. So just get let me, me know. get me a code, man. Give me a code. I'll slang it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So what, what else is next for you guys? Like, where do you guys see yourself in influencer marketing? Like over the next two to three years, I know you said a lot of stuff has been moving to the paid front spark ads. Like where do you see the future with influencer marketing? What are you excited about? Yeah, I get this question all the time. Honestly, I, th I think it's just like more importance on content, which we've clearly seen. And I think TikTok has actually a lot of uh, contribution to that. It's just the for you page and all these different yeah. things and brands are focusing on content, less on follower count, less on the audiences themselves. Um, and then you've just seen like, I mean, it seems like every day there's a new UGC platform popping up, right? Like with UGC creators and all these different making it yeah. acts like easy access. I think, yeah, the, the more and more brands just need to solve that continuous need of content and like, what's their, what's their pipeline for that. Um, and so, yeah, influencers, I think are just a great pipeline for that if you go about it in the right way. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, 
I definitely see that in 2023, just like a continuous rise of importance of that. Um, so, yeah. Nice. How about you guys? What are you guys doing? How are you guys doing on the agency front? What type of clients are you guys mostly looking for right now? Um, well, I mean, you already mentioned a lot of them, like consumer packaged goods brands. We just, our process is just set up for success for, um, and specifically like, this health and wellness category is just a great category for us. Um, and we've seen a ton of success, especially if you have like sustainability, eco-friendly, if you're vegan, if it's paleo, if it's keto, like I'm, I'm curious too, within influencer marketing, is there certain like niches within or, or categories with influencers that just kill it more than others? Like, do CrossFitters work really well to sell beam versus, you know, a vegan hiker? Like, tell, like do, I'm curious, you guys, you guys got to probably have some insights or tags into like what influencer audiences have buyers that actually react well to it. It's all the ones that I mentioned just now, like eco-friendly sustainability, like the, yeah, if you're, if you're in that health space, that's like not in the normal, like just eat meat and pasta, but it's like, okay, this is low sugar. There's alternatives. Like this is all that stuff. Then you're set up for success with influencers and certainly just on a macro level, female, like if you're a female brand, you're going to find a lot of success with, with influencers more than, more than males. Um, yeah, just for whatever reason, they're just better, better on camera better at creating content. Um, so yeah, that's not our role that we're jumping into anytime soon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I'm also curious too, what is your, uh, what's post-production process looks like? Like how much do you guys, how much time do you guys spend in post when it comes to like editing out, vid you know, assets before you actually push it live? Yeah, it's not a ton. Uh, we're just reformatting. So if it's a nine by 16 story, we're going to put it in one by one. Um, for all placements, we're going to caption the video content. And then we are doing iterations in the sense that different three second start times on the content itself, but we're not doing like the mashables text overlay music added, um, like making it like super addy. We want to keep You're it, keeping it more simple. Yeah. More raw. Yeah. Yeah. With, with that being said, uh, are there, is there any like parameters that you guys use when it comes to testing out a variation or does it just keeping it pretty down and dirty and simple when we actually run the creative yeah, yeah. we do all dynamic creative testing um just because we get so much yeah we, we get so much content so we run dcts with cost caps and that's how we launch everything and we're able to launch everything without like going like setting a million dollar budget and having to spend all of that <laughs> yeah um, so that's how we've seen most success is just launching that creative and getting the most success out of it and identifying winners. And as new content comes in, just supplementing those campaigns. So um, thank God for dynamic creative testing. Yeah, hell of a difference just relying on the algorithm, right? Yeah. Feed the machine learning system, baby. Absolutely. Go. Yeah, totally. And is there, is when, when you're looking at like a client that's going to kill it for you, obviously you said, health, wellness, supplement, food space with some really good value points on, on the product mm -hmm. being unique mm -hmm. in general. 
is there a is there a specific AOV that you guys are looking to at least hit? Like when I think about food too, specifically food products, like think about hey, like let's say I'm selling beef jerky and it's six ninety nine a bag, right? Mm-hmm. Like what do you do with with what would you do with a brand like that? Would you like say just start bundling everything to get the AOV up to 40, 50, 60 bucks? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, yeah, it's tough. I mean, that's where it's like, it begins to be um, where you can sell multiple packages, you know, like buy a 24 pack. Exactly. Buy a pack of it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, exactly your point. You're just trying to drive that AOV as much up as much as possible when you have such a low, cost item on there just because there's i mean after cogs like there's just not much margin for holding on on meta to acquire a customer um so you just, it's just i don't even know if it's possible really um so yeah exactly what you said for sure yeah so high value consumables are really what you're seeing is working well yeah and i, I want to say like a, a lot of our brands are definitely above like the 20 dollar msrp um, for sure. Like we don't get many clients that are below that, or if they are, they're on a subscription model. So they're willing to go like into the negative on a first time purchase because they know that LTV is going to be there. Um, it's going to be there in the future. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. So three, six months, especially on the consumable front. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's where you can win as well, where it's like, okay, we can go into the, the negative a little bit. Um, or we ideally you're breaking even, um, on some of those things. Is there any category of product that you're excited to work on more than others or you see are trending like in the future or right now? I mean, you just got to, can, do you have NFTs count? (laughs) NFTs? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm completely making that up, but I just know that's a hot topic. I'm just trying to get more listeners to you. You know, Um, it's so funny before we, uh, before we hopped on the call today, I was actually like, I, I got sent a link by one of my buddies and it was, uh, uh, SMB, you know, Sandback on a Twitter space, like defending himself, like 40,000 people on there. And the dude was asking a really simple question of like, Hey man, like, Where's the $2 billion out of the 10 billion that are missing right now? And he's like, I didn't really understand the question. I didn't oh understand it. I'm like, everyone, the 40,000 people on here understood. What <laughs> you're, you're, you're just trying to diffuse it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The whole web three crypto space, man. What a, what a, what a blatant, crazy, craziness yeah. it's been. Yeah. FTX and all that stuff. It's, it's wild. I'm curious. Did you guys ever get approached like over the last two years for anyone who wanted to do influencers in the NFT space? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a ton, yeah. but there's definitely people like that had crypto or were trying to promote their NFTs and it just, it doesn't work with our process obviously because um, it's not a physical product, but yeah. So who knows what will happen? It's wild times we're living in, man. True. It's very true. Dude, it's great having you on today and uh, being able to talk a little bit about the cool stuff you guys. I mean, I remember the first time we met, it was at one of the Shopify events at Shopify Growth Labs. And to just see like all the things that you guys have done over the years, building a course, launching the app, like having some success with such big brands, it's been really cool to, to see that. 
So I appreciate so that, Mark. Yeah. You guys are doing well. And and if anyone gets in touch with, if anyone wants to get in touch with you guys or is interested in in influencer marketing, do you have any type of like process for people to reach out to you that we can put in the show notes for this? Yeah, I mean, if you want to work with our agency, kynshipkinship.co. Um, but if you want to just reach out to me directly, if you have any questions or anything like that, I'm very active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Awesome. And we'll put your uh, we'll put your Twitter link in the uh, in the show notes, so it's there. Yeah, yeah. Just give me a follow. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. Mark. Yeah, thanks, dude. This has been great. Appreciate it.